presented here today for you to enjoy is a special 15-minute preview of this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Patreon-exclusive bonus podcast. A really good discussion I'm sure you would enjoy if you enjoy our typical flagship podcast. And like I said, the only way to hear this full show is by joining the Patreon page. The link is here in the broadcast description. What's going on, everybody? Top Rope Nation Extra November edition here uh, on the program. And if it's November and we're looking back at history, you know what we're probably talking about. The Survivor Series. Yes, Uh, not necessarily this year's Survivor Series, although we will briefly touch on the new concept. But a general look back at the history of the event and specifically our favorite elimination matches in Survivor Series history. Of course, elimination matches uh, go hand in hand with Survivor Series. It was the event's original identity, although over the course of the last 35 years, there has been a little bit of a loss of identity. To help me talk about this on the program today is a man you know very well. He is one of our proudest uh, and most ardent supporters. Uh, he has been on the program before. He actually made what I believe was his debut uh, talking Royal Rumble stats back in January. That was a very popular show in the archives. And then he was with me on an edition of Top Rope Nation Extra in May uh, to talk about one of our favorite matches from the 1990s, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Dude Love from Over the Edge 98. So you know him well. He is my good friend and yours, Mr. Michael Jenkinson. Michael, how the hell are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Great topic. I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. All right. So uh, let's get into this. If you uh, would be so kind to indulge, uh, Michael, I'm going to now kind of get into a, well, what I will call brief history of Survivor Series. So I've got a bit uh, that I want to talk about. And we can go over... You know, the, you you could take the floor will be yours. You could take it in any direction. Uh, but first, um, elimination matches. You know, you I know you've studied uh, several of them, uh, many uh, for this podcast. Is there anything you'd like to say right off the rip here about you know the, these elimination matches before we get started? I, I mean, I'm personally a big fan. I I think that they're if booked correctly, they can really build up a lot of drama. One of the things that is kind of different from them than almost any other match type is anything can happen at almost any time. Like, obviously, if you got a main event of a pay-per-view, you know it's going 30 minutes and 25 minutes and not much can change. But a guy can get eliminated here or there, and they've shown that they've been willing on occasion to take out some of the big names early in a match. And so I think it gives the match a feel of unpredictability that a lot of other matches don't have. Um, there's a lot of negatives to it too, but that is one of the positives. And and as somebody who you know is nostalgic and likes the history, I like that element too of the match. That is a very good point because we've talked about that a lot on Top Rope Nation in the past. That especially with the modern wrestling, you know, you hit on it. Main event matches, you know, they're going a certain length, and 
while, you know, the modern fan expects it and wants it to go to a certain length, you know, the most interesting part of a match is when it's going to end. And if you know it's not going to end for 20 minutes, you know, it does kill the drama somewhat. Now, there has certainly been drama throughout the 35-year history of the Survivor Series, uh, as you know, Michael. And let's talk a little bit about that right now, because make no mistake about it, this Big Four event was created not out of any affinity uh, Vincent McMahon Jr. had for elimination matches or that elimination match concept, but rather Survivor Series, the initial one in 1987, was an attempt to destroy Jim Crockett promotions once and for all, which he essentially did, by the way. I uh, had that conspirator, and I use that in quotes, Ted Turner, not stepped in the following year to buy JCP. The legacy of the first Survivor Series would have been an essential elimination of any and all national competition for Titan Sports. By the way, I should plug at this point an old Top Rope Nation episode where Ryan and I talked about the buildup to the first Survivor Series, the uh, attempt to, and it was a successful attempt to destroy Starcade 87 on pay-per-view. That was Crockett's first ever pay-per-view. It was not successful at the box office whatsoever. We didn't just talk about that. We talked about the event itself, Survivor Series 87. And we talked about the first three Survivor Series events in some detail. So people could check that out in the archives. And I just want to mention, that might be my favorite wrestling podcast ever. I love wow. One of my favorite episodes you guys, maybe my favorite episode you guys ever did if you haven't listened to it, you have any interest in wrestling history or the Survivor Series in particular, find it. Dig it up. Maybe Ryan will repost it this week or something like that because it's I, so good. Yeah, I think he usually does around this time. Yeah. And I thank you for those kind words because, yeah, that was a pretty early in the top rotation. Yeah, really early. Yeah, yeah I, that was, I believe, the episode. I've joked about this before on the program where Ryan found out that uh, the idea of covering a lot of ground historically in – 90 minutes to two hours with me is a uh, fool's errand. I think his goal originally was to talk about like all of them. And he started looking at his watch. Like when we were at the second one, like an hour in, he knew we were getting there, but uh, we got three done. We talked a lot of history and like Michael said, it's a great episode. It's in the archives. You can check it out. But uh, going back in time, Michael largely lost in the shuffle of all the behind the scenes, political drama of Thanksgiving night, 1987 is that survivor series was a better show than Starcade. Certainly, uh, JCP fans will tell you at that time they could always hang their head on having a better show, uh, you know, once the bell rang. But it wasn't even the case that night. The hook for the very first Survivor Series, as you know, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant captaining opposing teams. It was their first time sharing a ring together since WrestleMania three. A similar idea anchored the 88 version, only this time it was slightly less successful at the box office. Hulk Hogan, the big boss man on opposing teams. That was Hulk's first chance to get his hand on Boss Man, at least on national television. Their house show program had started uh, after the angle on Brother Love. But cracks began to show with the elimination format starting in 1989. Yes, as early as the third Survivor Series, because there was really no hook or selling point to speak of on that show. Hogan and Zeus had done their thing already at SummerSlam. Hogan had pinned Zeus already, so there wasn't much to offer. Plus, we started to see so many lazy eliminations, DQs, countouts, roll-ups. No, that's not just a modern thing, folks. They were doing it way back when. In an attempt to combat what felt like a concept WWF at that point didn't feel was a big selling point, 
They started tinkering the format in 1990. There was a grand finale match of Survival. That was no good in practice. Ended up being a one-time concept. 1991, first time a WWF title match was added to the card, Hogan versus Undertaker. But that show did fewer buys than any previous Survivor Series. It didn't have a title match. So it wasn't the lack of a title match that was hurting, although business was going downhill in general at the time. Elimination match concept basically abandoned in 92. Uh, for a show, I was there live. I should plug uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, Pro Wrestling uh, Then and Now with Frank Pettiani. I just covered Survivor Series 92. If you're a VIP over the torch, I thought that show came out great. That show did the fewest Survivor Series buys ever, despite abandoning the elimination match concept. They go back to the elimination match concept in 93. Same thing. Fewest buys ever. Sets a trend. And from Mike, uh, Michael, from 94 to 99, it was typically a hybrid of main event singles matches and mid-card elimination matches. 98, an exception with the Deadly Game Tournament. We also, of course, had the very famous screw job along the way. And if I can paint the 2000s sort of with one or two broad strokes, this is where we really begin to lose any sense of identity uh, for the event. Ironically, though, the final three times a Survivor Series pay-per-view did 400,000-plus buys. That was 2001, 2003, 2005. It was with an elimination match as the key draw. Survivor Series nearly ceased to exist in 2010, though. It was temporarily taken off the pay-per-view schedule. I believe Vince McMahon made that announcement at an investors conference uh, early in 2010. Twitter was just getting going then, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, seems about right. Yeah, and that was, I regardless if it was on Twitter or where, that was one of the initial online outcries. I shouldn't say initial, but one of the big online outcries. Oh, my God, you can't get rid of Survivor Series. So they kept it and really kind of just made it a phoned an effort. <laughs> and then in 2016, we get the Raw versus SmackDown concept as an annual thing, which got old in a hurry. And in 2022, starting, well, next week after we record this, War Games will be introduced into Survivor Series. So your reaction to ever I threw a lot at you, Michael. What did I miss? Is that a fair and accurate review of the history of Survivor Series? Yeah, I think it's very fair. Um, and I agree that just finding the right identity is, you know, the key to making this show work. If you look at almost all of the best ones, it's where the elimination matches happen and where they feel important. And, um, so trying to find a way to make this match feel important year in and year out would, you know, be the key to the success. Like the Rumble has the tie into the WrestleMania main event. Um, so that's a gimmick match that has value in it every year. But where's the value in the elimination match? And and it's hard, you know, without a specific storyline going on each year. And the key is, I think, and this is why they struggle with it. It requires a commitment to a long term story. Yes. Right. Like with Hogan and Andre, it worked because it was the first time they'd shared the ring since Mania 3. But it was also the mechanism to get the ball rolling for the rematch in February of 88. So they knew what they were doing. In modern times, it's a lot harder. Shouldn't be. I don't want to let them off the hook. It shouldn't be as hard as they make it. But they, they don't have that long-term discipline and you're right, they don't, with without a specific tie-in like they have with the Rumble to Mania, they often struggle. Okay, what's the point of these matches? They sometimes come up with ideas that work as selling points, and we're going to hit 
three of them when we talk about some of the most famous elimination matches here in a minute. But they wind up reneging on the stipulations a lot <laughs> because they just think about it in a short term. All right, we're, we, we wanted to pop a number. And, you know, obviously now that's a non-factor with the with the network slash Peacock. But, you know, we want to pop a number. Uh, and then they're like, oh, crap, well, we need to undo that stipulation now. Uh, and that hurts, I think, the legacy in some regards as well. Do you think do you think elimination matches can still be a draw in these modern times? I do, but um, again, it's it's creating some kind of value. Just I mean, obviously, Raw versus SmackDown when the rosters are flipping back and forth all the time doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they actually stuck to their guns and stuck to these rosters meaning something, it might have some value. If it was like, oh, this is our only chance to see these guys going against each other but it's kind of like the all-star games value in baseball not being as cool once they started doing interleague play because it's like well we get to see these guys play against each other all the time um and i i think if they wanted to do it they just would have to commit to making the survivor series feeling important i think a lot of us can agree the biggest lull of the year on the wwf calendar is after SummerSlam, before we get to the rumble (laughs) yeah you're telling me buddy right I mean, I'm living in 2022. And so if they wanted to make Survivor Series more important, they could really start using that time after SummerSlam to to have a plan and build towards Survivor Series, start creating these teams organically. Instead, we get this two weeks before, you know, the, the match comes on and, and we're throwing teams together. Like it's, it, I mean, is this like this, the brawling brutes and the Usos and, and Roman has this been boiling up for three months and has to be paid off at the survivor series? No. <laughs> you no know? It, and it's so funny because triple H who will pander to certain corners of the internet, you know, people were patting him on the back when he alluded to the fact he was getting rid of hell in a cell as a yearly event. That's something a lot of people have complained about. It doesn't work well as when you have to plug people into a match like that. It works well when there is a match that organically call or feud that organically calls for that stipulation. Well, what's he doing here with war games this year? He, he announces it ahead of time that he's doing it. And it's like, okay, like you said, two weeks before we're just jamming people in there willy nilly, uh, without much rhyme or reason. Your thoughts on War Games, Michael, now being or seemingly being the anchor for Survivor Series, uh, at least this year in 2022? I, I personally am a big fan of Sheamus and the Usos, and so I am excited that night. I think I think we are going to get a good match, but in general, I worry about War Games and its future in WWE, and I know that at least some of these things I'm going to say you will agree with, just mm-hmm. having listened to you in the past. But it's very hard for WWE to sell us on the brutality of a match when we do kendo sticks and chair shots to the stomach. And I'm not saying that we should go back.